Quest Community Church, living life as friends with faith through knowing God, loving others, and making a difference. So today, we titled the message Goosebumps because for me uh, and for a lot of other people I've talked to, when the Holy Spirit gives a gift through someone else to speak something into your life that they could not have known outside of the Spirit of God revealing it to you. And for you to be impacted by that is just this amazing, awe-inspiring experience. I don't know, when, I, when that happens to me, it almost feels like goosebumps. So that, that's where the title came from. We're going to talk today about some of those spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12 says this, Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. One of the things I really want us to get most out of this whole series that we've been doing on follow the goose, follow the Holy Spirit, is this. The Holy Spirit comes for a corporate purpose among us, not just an individual purpose. And a lot of what we experience in learning to know God, to experience His presence, to believe that He's real to us now, today, comes not just from us hearing from God, but from other people receiving spiritual gifts for us and sharing them with us. There is a really important thing to us praying with, praying for one another, and receiving from God for one another that is really vital to a really healthy relationship and a healthy church. Uh, Verses goes on and says this, For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. Now, this is just one list in the Bible of spiritual gifts. I think there's a whole bunch more, and actually I take a view that there's a whole bunch more than a lot of people even say about this, because a lot of times we get into discussions around these gifts, and we're going to focus today on the ones that were in bold on the screen, the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, uh, gift of faith, uh, prophecy, and discerning of spirits. And we have multiple definitions floating around in the church world about these. Uh, For instance, some people reserve these uh, definitions to only applying to the Word of God, meaning if you, for example, if you get a Word of Knowledge, it, it is God's Holy Spirit coming to you to help you gain knowledge from the Bible that you can then give to other people. Now, we would all agree with that, right? I mean, we've talked about that over and over again. We've talked about the fact that if we're going to approach this faith thing, that we don't just read the Bible for the letters and the principles and the paper. We read the Bible and expect to have a dynamic relationship interaction with God through it. So we would all agree with that. Other people would expand that definition and say, well, God also gives a gift of knowledge for somebody to be really, really smart, like a professor of mine who was fluent in 16 languages. I would say that the Holy Spirit gifted him for that. And some of you are very gifted in finances. Some of you are gifted in education. Some of you are gifted in entrepreneurial gifts. And the Holy Spirit's involved in gifting you in those things. I think we can say that all those are are, are gifts of the Spirit. Today we're going to focus on these because in a little bit of a different way. And it's actually one of the more common definitions that, that the Holy Spirit gifts us in specific ways with specific people in specific situations to empower ministry in those settings. So 
uh, I, I want to just say that up front that we're going to acknowledge those other definitions as being biblical, but all of them, I don't really care about the argument going on around them because every single one of those definitions you can find illustrated in the Bible. They're all true, but we're going to focus on the specific empowerment for ministry today. So we're going to go through really quickly, and I'm just going to give you a really quick definition of each one of these spiritual gifts that we're going to talk about today. And I'm going to talk then about one or two biblical illustrations. And then in a moment, I'm going to have a panel join me, and we're going to talk about how these gifts have been active in impacting our lives today as well. Okay, so let's jump in. Word of wisdom. Word of wisdom could be defined this way as discerning a solution, a question, a response, or a strategy for a difficult situation in a manner that is beyond your own ability, experience, or knowledge. This would be uh, illustrated easily in a number of places, but King Solomon is one illustration. In the Old Testament, there's uh, two women who have babies on the same day. Uh, or in a day apart or whatever. I can't remember the exact. I didn't go back and read it, so I'm doing this from memory, right? But they had two, two infants, and one of them rolled over on the one at night, and they were in the same household and killed, killed their baby by rolling over. And then they switched the dead baby out with the other mother's live baby, and the two get into a dispute. And they come before Solomon and say, this is my baby. Her baby died. And Solomon, they're both saying that. And Solomon ponders how to deal with this, and he does something really kind of audacious and shocking. He says, bring me a sword and let me cut the baby, the living baby in half, and I'll give each of you one half of the baby. And he says, and then we look further in the passage, he says he did this because he was confident that the mother who was the true mother would say no, and the mother who was the selfish mother would actually go through with the punishment. Now, how is he supposed to know that? I mean, most of us in those situations would have enough sense and enough compassion to say, no, don't do that, and it wouldn't solve anything. But there was this gift of wisdom that cut through a difficult situation for a specific purpose that went on. We see Jesus exhibiting this gift all the time. Over and over again, as we went through the Real Jesus series, we saw how the religious leaders and the Herodians would come to him with these really impossible questions to answer. They were as well a constructed trap question as you can as you can get. And Jesus would repeatedly come up with a wise way to answer this, these questions. We see it over and over again. Word of knowledge. Word of knowledge can be defined as knowing something about someone else or a situation that would be impossible to know without God telling you. There's a great example of this at Jesus in John 4. It's the woman at the well. We've, many of us have heard that story. The Samaritan woman comes out to a well, and Jesus is standing there by himself, and he's never met her before, doesn't know anything about her, and he says, um, you have been married five times, and the man you're living with now, you're not even married to. And he tells her some other stuff about his life, and it totally transforms her life. How can you know this about me? And it, and it changed her life and changed the whole community's life because it poured out so much love being accepted by this holy man. And we see it in Acts 2 with Peter in Acts 5. Ananias and Sapphira bring a gift to Peter. And it's just a gift. It's a generous gift. And normally I'm sure Peter would have said, great. I mean, what church doesn't need money, right? Thanks for the gift. And instead he says, you're giving this, telling us it's more than what it really is. And you've got an ego issue. And he confronts them. How could he know that except by the power of the Holy Spirit? Prophecy. Prophecy is speaking God's heart, intent, 
heart and intent toward a person or people as encouragement, maybe defining purpose or an invitation to repentance or foretelling. There's lots of examples in, this, in the Bible. We talked about one last week as well. Uh, there's Paul and a guy named Agabus. And uh, Paul's in Caesarea on his way to Jerusalem. And Agabus comes and gives him a prophecy saying, if you continue your way to Jerusalem, you will be bound by the Jews and handed over to the power of the Gentiles. There's, that's, a, that's a sense of foretelling. Uh, and even a sense in that instance of defining Paul's purpose as well that goes on. Gift of faith. Gift of faith could be defined as God giving you confidence to take a risk or persevere in risky circumstances, leaving you more calm or more confident or more peaceful than you normally would be in a situation like that. We see lots of examples of this in the Bible as well. One example is found in 1 Samuel 14. The uh, Israelites uh, are outgunned, outmanned by the Philistines. And the text says that they're trembling in fear, hiding, because they know they're going to be slaughtered because they are so outgunned and outmanned. And Jonathan, the king's son, led by the Holy Spirit, says, well, I'm just going to walk over with just my armor bearer against their outpost of hundreds of men and see what God does. And we see in that instance where he goes over, he gets an answer that confirms that he's on the right direction, and he and his armor-bearer single-handedly start the route of the enemy army that's trying to oppress them. It's a very gift-of-faith type of thing that goes on. It's one of those epic stories in the Bible. Uh, The gift of discerning of spirits. This could be defined simply as having a clear sense of the identity or intent of the spiritual forces at work in a situation. Those spiritual forces could be God at work, it could be a human spirit at work, they could be a demonic spirit at work in a situation. And knowing how to pray and respond to be a part of bringing freedom or stop any evil or carnal intent. Now there's a good example of this in Acts 8 of uh, discerning of our human spirit getting in the way of what God wants to do. We see in, in Acts 8, we referenced this again a few weeks ago, we see Simon coming to faith in Christ and following the apostles around. And Simon says, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit too, right? And that's a good thing, right? I mean, that's something that would, should be a no-brainer. We just respond to and say, absolutely, of, of course. But we see uh, Peter discerning there that Simon was actually asking for that gift for his own pride and ego and self-promotion. And we see him confronting that. That is a discerning of human spirit being wrongly at work in a situation. We also see in Acts 16 the discerning of a demonic spirit going on. We see Paul at this place called Troas, and he's actually going around from place to place where they pray. There were different places around the city where people would pray. Now, these were not followers of Jesus. These were just people praying for whatever God they wanted to pray to. And Paul was actually going as part of a strategy to the places where people were eager and hungry and seeking. So he's going from place to place, and He's there for several days, and there's this slave girl that follows him around who had been, uh, who had been a diviner in the community. And uh, he's following him around saying this. The text says, saying, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Again, sounds like a good message, right? I mean, why would you ever argue with that? What's wrong with that? That's fantastic. But after two or three days, it says that, Paul discerned that there was an evil spirit, that she was doing this to try to ego, make an ego rise up and pride and divisiveness. And she was saying this in a way that was causing problems. And he discerned the spirit, prayed, and delivered her from that. Now, 
I think this last gift, the discerning of spirits, is one of the gifts. And if you weren't here last week for the testing message, I really, really encourage you to go back and listen to that on iTunes or the podcast because it's really critical. I think this is one of the gifts that most easily gets tainted by us and corrupted by us. It's for obvious reasons. All of us carry around a little a little bit of baggage from our history, whether it's emotional or whether somebody looks like somebody we knew or whatever. You know, I remember a time I was teaching a college class on behavioral styles using the disc inventory. And, uh, and there was this one gal who consistently was just really angry with me in the class. And I mean, normally I don't teach a class and people get angry with me. And I found out afterwards that while I was the same personality profile as her husband who she was going through a divorce with, you know, sometimes when we discern things, some of our emotional baggage like that gets in the way of what's going on. Or it's just like another time I met a guy who, who looked almost exactly like kind of same height, same build, same facial, facial structure kind of even talked the same as a guy who really burned me bad in the past and he just made me uncomfortable. It's really easy and I find it really fascinating in Acts 16 that Paul himself, this great leader of the church, takes so much time in this discernment. He himself takes three days to discern what's going on here because it's so easy for our own baggage to get mixed up in that. Now, so we've gone through a definition of all, everything. If, the, if the, the panel people can come, that would be fantastic. Uh, today we're going to have you hearing from not only myself, but Wendy, my wife, is going to be joining us. Uh, Melissa, who is our pastor of spiritual formation, is going to be joining us. And Scott Marrier, who is the executive director of WARM and one of our elder board members, is going to join us. And we're going to just talk now uh, very practically about how these spiritual gifts have impacted our own lives, either through us receiving spiritual gifts or through God giving us spiritual gifts to give to others in just real practical ways. And I, I wanted to kick it off with Scott today because um, he had uh, a recent encounter where he felt like the Lord just gave him a gift of faith. Um, thanks, Ross. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this was a, a story that recently happened with us uh, many of you know that we, we serve, uh, we offer a kids' lunch club which serves uh, meals to kids at risk within the city during the, the, during the summertime. And this year we had a plan to expand to six sites, uh, make a major investment in expanding the capacity of this program. So um, we had that all in place and we were all systems were go on that. And about, uh, well, when, you, when the federal sequester was announced, that's the politically correct term for budget cuts, um, we were in, impacted by that um, because a number of the VISTA volunteers that we were going to use to work at the sites, at the lunch clubs, were included in that. And in previous years, they had been provided through a federal grant to make them available. This year, that was totally cut out. So we had to rethink our strategy on how, to, how we were going to do that, and we can't do it without a lot of people. And so uh, it turned out that for us to be able to um, do the project, we were going to have to investment, spend another $24,000 in labor in order to make the program go forward. And uh, um, I didn't necessarily have the faith that that was going to happen, but God gave me a gift of faith saying, you know, I gave you the plan. This is the right thing to do. We should move forward with it. So as the staff was, you know, in the natural, we get the mind sweats of what's going to happen next. You know what I mean? By mind sweats, it's like all this grief starts happening in our minds. And uh, But I just said, don't worry about that. Let's go forward. That's what God's told us to do. Let's just go do that. Well, three weeks later, we, we were scheduled to meet with a major sponsor. And, and that major sponsor, I thought the meeting was going to be that they were going to 
finish their commitment in the amount of $35,000 in support of this program. Well, five minutes into the meeting, I realized that the meeting's going south, which meant that the sponsor was there telling us that they were not going to be able to support the program and that the $35,000 was not going to be coming forward. Now, if you're anyone like me, I keep stats in my head, and I'm down $61,000 in order to make this thing a reality. And again, the staff is all a flutter as to what we're going to do, and I said, we're going to move forward with this plan, and we'll figure it out how we, how we do it later. Um, I had a mentor early in my life who was not a Christian, but um, had, but God's used him in, in, in many ways to, to be prophetic. And he wrote a book called The Answer to How is Yes. And I think that's a scriptural <laughs> indication that when, we, when we're not sure and when we don't understand it in the natural, we're still called to step forward. And we can see biblical example after biblical example of people who just obey the prompting of the Spirit and God moves. Well, in this case, we just said, we're going to go forward with this. We're not sure where the money's going to come from. Well, along comes an opportunity through a national uh, granting program through Walmart, which we were able to participate in and realize $20,000. So I went, you know, hallelujah, praise God, shared it with the staff. Now we're only down $41,000, okay? Um, three weeks go by, and this it was just about a month ago. I was sitting in my office on a Friday afternoon in a management team meeting, and uh, my administrative assistant interrupted our meeting and said, there's someone on the phone from the Columbus Foundation. And so we took the call, and it turned out to be a giving officer who says, I have a family who somehow has known, are you guys having budget problems in relation to this lunch club program? And I said, yes. And I said, how would you know that? And he says, well, this family approached us who has a a fund here through the foundation, and they had heard about it. What can you explain to me? And so I told them about the sequester problem, and I told them about the sponsorship loss, and the $61,000, but we gained 20, and so we're only down 41. And he said, great, can you, um, they don't want the whole proposal. Can you write six sentences that tells us that story? Sure. So we wrote that afternoon, we wrote it, sent it off, not thinking, you know, that much about it. I didn't really have a whole lot of faith there. I was thinking that if we realized $5,000 or $10,000, that would be great crumbs to go against this deficit we had. Monday morning at 10.07, I received an email from the foundation that said, congratulations, Um, this family has instructed me to direct $50,000 in support of this program for you to be able to continue it on. Yeah, you can clap. I've been crying through this story every time I tell it. Um, You know, it, it, it gave us... It gave me and our whole team, I hope it gives you an insight into uh, a different dimension of the grace of God. We did nothing to deserve that. I I did nothing to earn that. I didn't even, we were strategizing a plan on how we were going to make up the $41,000, but had done nothing to implement it. What we did is I answered the phone. We wrote six sentences in two paragraphs and sent it off in faith and we prayed. And God moved in a, in a, in a powerful way. So I guess, um, I, I guess I did have the gift of faith, but it didn't feel like it at the time. But God gave me this assuredness and this confidence that if we just did what he told us to do, that he would take care of the rest. To this, to this moment, I still don't understand it, but I'm sure glad we stepped out in faith. Mm-hmm. Thank you.
Yeah, and uh, Melissa had a great story on, uh, uh, I wanted to just kick off with discerning of spirits. All right, as I was thinking about um, hearing about discernment, God reminded me of two things that happened to me as a child, and I felt like I was supposed to share those, because it was sort of like he was giving me this foreshadowing of uh, this gift of discernment that he was going to give me, and I didn't have it at first, and I developed it, but... First one was when I was eight years old and I was playing in the bar with a friend in my house and I heard this terrible screeching noise coming up from underneath this um, shelf and behind some boxes. I couldn't see what it was, but it certainly sounded like a, a bird had gotten caught in a trap. I knew my brother had set traps in the barn. I don't even know if I knew why, but I was certain that he had caught a bird and I was going to rescue that bird. And so I put my hand back behind this these boxes, and I couldn't see what I was doing, and hit the bird, pecked me. And I was like, I'm trying to help you, but obviously I didn't have everything I needed, so I went in the house to get my brother, said, hey, you got to get out and rescue this bird that you caught, because he needs to be set free. And it pecked me, and I'm not going to do it. And so my mom was inspecting my injury, he goes out and inspects the trap, and he comes back in the house and says, well, that wasn't a bird, that was a rat.
tell that he was struggling and he had a dream that there was some kind of spiritual, a demonic spiritual thing against him. And he didn't know what that was. And so we prayed together and just through talking and praying, sense that it was a spirit of death. And it's been my experience that when someone has a spirit of death, that there's usually all kinds of schemes of the enemy against that person because of their spiritual thing and what they are called to do their kingdom. And the enemy doesn't like that. And so just in, in uh, very obvious ways and very subtle ways, the enemy was trying to silence him and um, put to death things in him as well as like limit his life. Uh, starting with almost dying in the womb and having a cord wrapped around his neck at birth. And going forward. And so we just talked about some of those things and prayed over some um, healing places and then just had that spirit leave. And it was a very simple thing, but only because I let the Holy Spirit instruct and then I got to watch him as he started coming alive to things that he hadn't been able to be present to and be aware of and take risks and have confidence and flourish, and it's amazing to see what God has done in his life. Yeah, sweet. Yeah. Wendy, how did, Wendy had an experience as well with discernment. Um, yeah, I was in working in another state, um, and my boss, who I had, was an up-and-coming leader. He received a lot of accolades from um, professionally for his leadership, and also personally. He was, from the date when he was in college, he started working more and more with youth, and so when he got married and he had his own biological children, he even had so much of a reputation that he was allowed to adopt what they would call an unadoptable child because this um, young boy had experienced a lot of abuse, and so he, was, um, he had some challenges. But, um, so my boss was able to adopt him. So it was strange for me when I ended up in a staff meeting with him, and he had just become my boss. And in the staff meeting, all I could do was look at his hands and his fingers and hands, and I was like, oh my goodness, what is the problem? Because the main feeling I had, and I don't know how to say it anything different than this, but it was just yucky. I mean, it was like a disgusting kind of yucky, and I didn't know what to do with that. I was thinking, well, you know, is there... So I just sort of sat with that. I couldn't concentrate in a staff meeting, obviously. Um, And so, you know, I said, God, is there something that's going on in me that is unresolved, that I have an issue with hands and fingers? I don't know. What are you wanting to do? Is... Am I jealous over him because he was considered like the golden boy and was really moving upward? And and the more I sat with that in prayer later after the staff meeting, it was like, no, it really isn't my personal issue. There was something about him. So what do you do? You you pray. Um, I prayed the opposite. I prayed for purity. I prayed for truth. I prayed um, that anything that was unhealthy or harmful that was trying to attach himself to him would be um, delivered from him. And that feeling just did not go away with my entire time of working for him. I, since then, after months, within probably a year, I moved, and um, he was left and one was arrested. He had been sexually abusing the un- that vulnerable boy he adopted. He, had been, uh, he was molesting many youth. And so he's currently serving a 30-year prison. So that experience made me very sensitive to, like, when are my kids might be experiencing a discernment of spirits. Um, Elise gave me permission. She's my daughter, um, uh, and she gave me permission to share this. But she was about three years old, and we were walking to a store, and there were about five men um, outside the store, and we're coming up to them. And an uncharacteristic of Elise, because she's not real loud in new situations, 
But she goes up to the man and she points directly at one of them and says, that man is evil. <laughs> and I was just completely mortified. And I was like, okay, um, I am sorry. Uh, what do you say? And, um, but I could, you know, he didn't look different than the other men, but I could tell. I mean, there was just something unsafe about that man. And so we went into the store. Um, she did, I do think Elise got a gift of discernment. I think there was something unhealthy about him in a way. Uh, but she did receive coaching about how to share those strong impressions <laughs> and whisper them in my ear. So, um, but, you know, we want our kids to develop those gifts. I want her to know who is God highlighting in her life to pray for. How should she pray for them? I want her to know how to have safe and healthy distance from people that could be unsafe. Yeah, and I think sometimes uh, our children actually hear God better when they're pursuing God because they have less filters uh, than we do. So we want to encourage that kind of thing. And, and shape it as well. Scott, you also shared with me a story about a, kind of a prophetic word, word of wisdom. Uh, yeah, there, well, there's, there's two situations. One was um, something that impacted my life that still impacts my life today. It happened about 25 years ago. I was, uh, I had a, my life was in transition. I was um, in a career move and really uncertain as to what was supposed to happen next. And at the time, <clears throat> I thought <clears throat> I put a high value on... Um, other people's giftings and skills, and I tried to emulate them, try to copy them uh, to be more like them. And I was kind of struggling with that. And a, and a good friend, a brother, um, had a word for me that um, to this day is still impacting my life. Um, and, and it had to do, the focus was on how I was um, designed and made uniquely by God, not to be like someone else and not to try to have to copy someone else that I was designed and uniquely made by God for his purposes. And the only, the best person that could be Scott was Scott. Um, I, had, um, I had a couple of, of uh, mentors, uh, pastors that I tried to emulate. Jack Hayford was one, John Maxwell was another. And this brother specifically said to me, Scott, you'll never be Jack Hayford or you'll never be John Maxwell. And my spirit kind of dropped. And then he looked at me and he says, but you want to know something? They will never be Scott Marrier. They weren't designed or built to be you. And, and he just encouraged me. It was a word of exhortation of being fully God's on how he uniquely made me. And my response to that was just to obey him, not having to understand it all, but just to try to respond to how God made me um, being uniquely his. And there was really three takeaways that still impact my life today from that moment. The first is... Um, that um, that my identity is only really found in Christ. It's not found in someone else. It's not found in other things. It's not found in our level of success or great stories or, or the agony of defeat. We share with you today great stories. Uh, there's other hundreds that we can tell you that didn't turn out so positive, but that our identity alone is found in Christ. Second, that that our abilities, my abilities, my giftings, your abilities, your giftings are uniquely designed by God, gifted and given to you and you alone. And he would have you live in those and use those in response to him. And the third thing is, is that uh, I need to only apply and use them as he's gifted them for me. So it's a simple fact of choice. It, it's a response of obedience. Not that I have to achieve some level, but I simply have to respond and obey him in what he's gifted me to do. Well, then the, the other recent story was, um, this is just like God last week, Ross sent us a note and said, can you think of stories about how God's used you or worked in your life? 
So Wednesday, this is last like three days ago, I'm sitting in my office and, and uh, I was meeting with a, with a young man who had just recently completed seminary. And he was kind of anguishing about how God was going to use him and what he was supposed to do. For the three years he had spent in seminary, he did not know or feel uh, what his role was going to be next. Have you ever had that where it's like, well, what's next, God? How, he, what do you want to do with this? And he was all focused on the outcome. And it was clear to me that he had totally stepped out in faith, that he was right in the midst of God's will, that he was being used by God, and God had presented him a clear opportunity that we had talked about. But unknown to him, he was kind of blocked from seeing that. And the Lord just gave me an impression to encourage him and to speak to the issues. Now, I had met this guy like once before, and I knew him for about 10 minutes, so it's not like I had his life history. But I just had this this impression that God showed me that, that he was really... Um, obedient and responding to God, just as God had intended him. And God was just delighted in the just the openness of this fellow's heart to try to fully be available to God. And so I just said that to him. I said, you know, um, you might not be looking for this, and, and it's not, you know, thus saith the Lord kind of thing. It, I just have this strong impression that God wants you to know that he's completely pleased with your obedience to follow him and to be fully available to be used by him. And it doesn't matter what the outcome is, but to focus on the journey, to experience God and enjoy God's, God's um, encouragement now as you step forward. And it was like a light went on in our office. The guy's countenance just completely changed. And he went from this, this cloud over his head to just this joy. And he kept thanking me and thanking me and thanking me for just how, how clearly he could start to see things. And it wasn't really me. It was just the presence of the Holy Spirit as we enjoy him every day, bring in illumination to things that sometimes appear as darkness. But suddenly, he turns to light. Yeah, word of wisdom is an interesting one because a lot of times I think we'll dismiss it just as a random thought. Then God uses it for us. I remember one time uh, I was working with a church in Tacoma, Washington, and this church had been uh, the church to go to in the 1970s. I mean, it was the church in town, the large church. Everybody who's anybody went to this church. And by the time I got to it, it was about 30 people in a building that seats 500 to 800, and it was falling apart, and they couldn't pay their bills. And so I and another couple that I used to do this with, uh, he, he was a really successful businessman on the West Coast, and he would just travel and do this voluntary with me, George and Jean, would go in and we'd ask these questions. And we just went through this basically over the course of a weekend, this 13-hour question-asking process to help them try to understand what it would take to turn around and become healthy again. And we had been going through this for about eight hours at this point, and we'd, we'd asked a whole bunch of questions, and everything seemed fine. We didn't feel like we had gotten to that place where we knew, and Jean had been praying in the back, and in one of the breaks, she came to George and I and said, I know you spent like several hours talking about this one area and the asking questions in this area, but I just feel like you need to ask this question. And it was a question related to the same area. And we're kind of going, well, that doesn't make sense. We've already gone through that and didn't get anything. We came back, we asked that question, and it was the question that turned the whole weekend. And now that church is running cool. two, three hundred and healthy and growing in urban Tacoma with a whole new vision. And it was really that one mm -hmm. question that turned the tide of the whole thing. And it's just a, it's a, it's a word of wisdom. Sometimes the word of wisdom is funny, too. So I got another story. I was a homeowner association president, which I hope I never have to do in my life again. 
And uh, we were in the middle of a lawsuit because we had a guy in our church, not in the church, in the homeowners association who was trying to encompass about a third of an acre of, of common land and sell it for his own benefit. And uh, just crazy, 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 crazy. And we had this one really raucous uh, homeowner association meeting coming up, and the, the, these guys all were getting up and just causing problems, and just like you wouldn't believe. And one of the guys is getting up and going on and on and on about about how you know we're so evil, I'm so evil, the board's so evil. We should let this guy do this because he was a friend of his. And there's this big elephant in the room that nobody's talking about, and we need to talk about it. And going on and on and on. Now I've dealt with a lot of conflict in life, and I I know how to. I know how you could ramp up situations. I also know very well in group settings how to de-escalate. And I was sitting there listening to this, and I just felt like God was telling me to do something that as I was looking at it, I was going, that, that's, that's really stupid. We shouldn't do that because that's going to just make things go through the roof. And the guy was talking all about the elephant in the room, and I felt like God was saying, you just need to say, everybody in the room knows where the elephant is. I mean, talk about an insult, right? And it's something I would have never thought of. But you know what ended up happening? Instead of it being an insult, everybody just chuckled, calmed down, and the evening just settled and went away. And it was just fine. It was like, <laughs> so he can, God can even have a sense of humor sometimes and stuff like that. So um, uh, I'm forgetting which story is next, guys. Prophecy. 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 Let's talk about that. A few weeks ago, I was looking through some documents that I was filing in my computer and organizing, and I found this paper that I had written, and I had gone away in 2002 uh, for just a few days of retreat with God and hanging out with him, and part of the time I spent praying for my children, who were, at the time, 7, 12, and 15, and I felt like God wanted me to write down to them just a word of prophecy about their spiritual gifts. So I did that for each of them, and I was reading through them, and it was amazing to me how, for two of them, it was spot on, and how God had, over the last 11 years, brought those things to fruition and, and activated them in those gifts and seen them walk in those things. The third one, I looked at it, and I thought, I don't even know what I was thinking. Why would I ever mess it up? His son, and you know, they're all adults now, and I look at his life, and I don't see this gift active in his life. And so it gave me something to, to think about and ask him about it because I quite likely was just completely off and wrong, which is okay. Like, that's okay for us mm-hmm. to practice and you know, write down the things we hear from God and then we test it and see if it's of Him. And then um, just to be able to follow up with him and say, well, maybe maybe it was something else that maybe there is this gift in him that it's actually a gift of mercy. And when I look at him, I don't think of mercy. Not that he's a mean person, but it just seems like maybe that's just something that's a tender thing in him that maybe he doesn't really want to feel. So mm-hmm. I'm going to check that out. Awesome. There was another time we had a word of knowledge that kind of came in the form of prophecy. Wendy only remembers the word of knowledge part of it because it touched her so much. She forgot the whole rest of it. I'll let her tell her part. Well, the backdrop to this story is I, um, I was working in an organization, and I had taken a job, and the job just um, took off, and it was going amazingly well. 
Uh, the problem I had staying at this job for several more years was working with the leadership. And it was a process of, um, I, I was consistently misrepresented to my bosses. They would fire me, then they hire me back, they fire me, fire me, hire me back. It was a very difficult situation for me to stay in. Um, I was getting pretty discouraged, and it was, I believed strongly in this organization. I cared about the leadership, so I didn't want to ever say, I couldn't talk to my friends that knew most of the organization, knew the leadership, because I knew if I had shared something, they could get a, they would be pretty upset about what was happening. So I stayed there because I wanted to make sure that this um, organization kept going. And after about three plus years, I found myself in a staff meeting, and it was a time when all of the staff, including the leadership, were there, and they had in, um, invited a man that we didn't know, I mean, they knew, but I did not know him, who flowed in word of knowledge and prophecy to come and pray for each person. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, after three years of never having shared this garbage inside, I was, my heart was pretty cynical, I was resentful, and I was thinking, you know, because that's not a good idea to not talk, okay? Um, but I... Um, so in that process, I was thinking, okay, my heart is in a messy place. God might just out me right here with this guy who has a prophecy. You know, what am I going to, what are they going to share? So the, the gentleman went and he shared over each person. And then when he got to me, he did something different. Rather than speaking out loud, he um, bent down and he whispered three words that he felt like God gave. And they were, um, you've been misunderstood. And that still touches me. Because in that, in those three words, it was like God knew me, and he knew that that would not be good words to share in a public setting, because it could just cause conflict or, um, but I knew that God knew my heart, he knew where I was at, he affirmed me, and um, I felt like all that misunderstanding and the misrepresentations and my reputation, that he had that under control, I didn't feel like, why would I need to um, vindicate myself if God knew where I was at? And it just, it just took a whole load off. And ever since that time, it unlocked something in me that allowed me to be much more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Like, God actually knew me. And, it, and um, so I am so incredibly grateful that somebody yeah. developed the gift of walking in the word of knowledge. Um, and then I got to receive it. Yeah, amen. That was a beautiful time. It was an amazing time. I was sitting next to her, and I was the only other one who could hear what happened. And for the guy to know that it had to be said privately mm -hmm. for it to be said was just amazing. And isn't that really, uh, I think that really sums up what we're talking about. We can just live in religion and go by rules, or we can live in this dynamic relationship with a God who knows where we're at. And sometimes, sometimes when we're in a place where we can't get through stuff, that's the reason I think it says at the beginning, the gifts are given for a corporate purpose. Sometimes God is going to speak through you for me or for you for somebody else or for you for your kids or somebody else for your kids because that's the way God makes himself known to us. And we talked about last week in the testing thing, it's going to be messy. Unless we're willing to live with the tension of grace, we won't watch. We won't walk into this stuff because we'll we'll see the times we blow it and miss it, and we'll give up on it. But God's inviting us not to give up on it. In fact, uh, Paul teaches us uses these words. He said we should eagerly desire spiritual gifts. We should eagerly desire spiritual gifts. I think one of the things that uh, for me for a long time was a bit of a barrier was was watching other people operate in the gifts and me not operating that same way. 
So, for instance, uh, when I watch Melissa, I'll, def- I'll defer to her a lot of times in, in meetings of transformation or even you'll see me every now and then at services go ask her stuff because in Melissa's life, in her counseling and one-on-one in small group stuff, she just connects so deeply. The Lord gifts her gifts to speak into people's lives along personal issues. I never get that. And I used to always be frustrated and jealous with that. But when I look at her purpose in life, I see that as a major purpose, to bring healing, to bring freedom in that way. When I look at the purpose and the way God has spoken to me about purpose, he uses me in organizational stuff. He uses me in leadership stuff. He uses me in shaping culture. And when I get prophetic words or words of knowledge or words of wisdom or things like that, it's all most of the time it's associated with my sense of calling. So for all of us, I want to just set a bit of a freedom and also a bit of a challenge. What's your purpose? How does God work through you? And expect Him to give you spiritual gifts to amp that up, to be even more powerful, to be even stronger. But don't also dismiss, because God still sometimes gives me a personal word for somebody else. Expect the other too. Pray for the other too, right? Um, I want to uh, I want to do something right now. I just want to pray over all of us and just ask that the Holy Spirit would come to each one of us and stir up His gifts, that we would begin to identify them. I have a feeling that for some of you, especially for some of you who um, are gifted, who God gifts more often in discerning of spirits or some of those things, I think some of you will walk through life. My experience has been that you may walk through life feeling a little weird, feeling like, well, this is strange. Why should I know this? Why should I be feeling this? A lot of people who have experienced spiritual gifts and don't really name them for what they are feel that way. I want to give you permission today to just say, God, shape me in this and let the goodness of this become a full reality in my life. And for the rest of us, if you're not even sure that God's ever gifted you in one of these ways, I just want to pray that you would begin to experience that. This is not just something we do It's not just something pastors do. It's what you do and expect God to speak to you in your work environment when you're dealing with a difficult person or when you need to make a big decision or when there's a great barrier before you in your work environment. God's going to lead you to have this confidence of this gift of faith that even though everything seems like it's going to fail if I do this, I'm going to do this. Okay? God wants to be that to each one and every one of us. Let me pray. Lord, I pray that you'd come by your Spirit and make this more than just a talk today, but I pray that you'd come to each and every person here and that you would stir your gifting in them. That you would distribute your gifts even more. That we would recognize them and label them and give you praise, give you glory for all of them. And that we would see you work through each one of us. That we would hear people around us saying, God knows me. God loves me. Because you give us stuff that there's no way we could do on our own. But you gift us by your Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, and do that right now. I just have... Um experienced um, a pain in my chest. And, um, you know, I thought maybe I was having a heart attack. And so I dutifully went to the doctor, did all the stress tests and all the tests, and and it was fine. It was normal. And yet, um, God hasn't taken this ache away from my heart. And I'm just wondering, um, maybe it's just me, 
And I'm just wondering if um, that ache is maybe not mine. That there, there, that there's someone here this morning who is um, is suffering from a broken heart. If that's you this morning, when we pray later after we close, um, I would just like to pray with you and see God release you from that from that aching heart that you're experiencing. Um, Dusty, why don't you take us into some singing and some ministry? Patience, I want today. Um, while we're singing this song. Uh, if you're one of those people who said, I've always kind of felt weird with this, but as you're talking, I really think this might be God, then I want you to come and allow us to pray for you just to bless that. If you're here and you're just going, I really want that in my life and I haven't experienced I want to invite you to let us pray with you and ask God to stir that up in your life uh, for you. Um, I do believe uh, I want you to respond to, to Scott's word, and I also want you to respond to what Melissa shared earlier because uh, I think... Uh, some of you may be dealing with um, suicidal thoughts or some of you may be dealing with uh, just never feeling like life is going to be lived. It's just, it's just a weight that's always around your neck. And some of that sometimes is our own baggage and our own thoughts and stuff, but the, the Bible teaches us that there's a very real spiritual battle going on. And sometimes maybe it's a spirit of death, maybe it's something else that's just plaguing you Maybe it's physical issues and you just feel like you're never going to be able to beat this stuff. It's just going to always dominate your life. And we just want to pray for you for freedom in that. And uh, I want to invite you to come while we're singing uh, to do that. So if we'd stand and just worship and respond. I want to invite you to take risks this week. I think part of us stirring up the gifts in response to that scripture that Paul says is just making room for them and asking God for them and taking a risk. And if you feel like you got something, you know, I think one of the ways we're going to reach people in the community who don't want anything to do with church is for us to have a word for them that they experience God knowing right where they're at, knowing he's real, knowing knowing they're loved. And if you get a word like that, just take a risk and say it. Don't You don't have to say it, thus saith God. Just say, you know what, I think maybe I've been praying and God, God I think God may want to say this to you because he wants to touch you in this area. And if, I'm, if it's God, you'll know. And if it's me, then, uh, well, just dismiss it and no biggie. And just say it. Take the risk. See what God does. See how he moves through us. See the kind of power and the healing he can, he can restore to us. And yes, we're going to blow it sometimes. And sometimes we're going to be right. And you're going to come into church on Sunday morning wanting to tell everybody going, I can't believe God did this. So let's go take risks. God bless. Thank you for listening. Join us at Quest as we walk with one another in friendship while discovering the reality and goodness of God together. For more information and service times, visit us online at gotoquest.org.